I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Dream Job Ready. My name is Dane Sharp. I'm your host. And my guest for this episode is Carolyn Breeze, General Manager of Go Cardless, an exciting fintech company that is helping digitize commerce and payments. I met Carolyn in 2015 when I worked with eBay for a year. Carolyn spent over four and a half years at eBay, first as an enterprise sales manager, and then in her final year as head of SMB acquisition and channel partnerships. The SMB stands for small and medium-sized businesses. My role was retail partnerships marketing manager, and she was one of the many eBay staff members I had to interview with when I was applying for the role. I can't remember exactly where the interview sat in the whole process, but I remember she made an impression on me straight away, even before I later found out that we grew up in the same area of Australia and both completed our uni degrees at University of Wollongong. We all know interviewing for a role can often be difficult and unnerving, so I really appreciated Carolyn's honesty, authenticity and directness during the time that I had with her. I was being hired to help eBay acquire and engage big retail businesses that weren't yet selling on the platform. It was a dream job and it would eventually get me working with companies such as Target, Samsung, Disney and Woolworths. She didn't sweat me in the interview but she really made sure I knew my stuff and could bring some value to the business and her team straight away. But she also shared some truths from eBay's side and she never sugarcoated the situation I was walking into. At that point, eBay was still seen as a second-hand goods marketplace in many ways and was having some troubles changing the perceptions of many big and traditional retail companies. And she was really open about talking about that, which was super helpful for me going through the application. She keeps it very honest in this episode too, sharing a list of really good advice and suggestions to help you get ready for your next dream job opportunity. Her career got started in Telco, where she worked for Crazy Johns and then Vodafone. We talk a lot about her experiences in the industry and what she learned in those first couple of roles, and you're going to be blown away by the story she tells about how she got her first job with Crazy Johns while she was still at uni. It's got to be one in a million. Today, Carolyn's fast becoming one of Australia's most celebrated business leaders and one of the world's leading women in tech advocates. Accolade-wise, she earned a CEO magazine's IT and Telecommunications Executive of the Year Award in 2018 while she was working with Braintree. She's been recognised as one of Business Insider's top 20 women in fintech and recently received the prestigious Advocate for Women Award at the 2019 Women in Payments Symposium. She also happens to be a cancer survivor, a mother of two and one heck of a great human being. You're going to get a lot of value out of this interview. So with that said, let's get this episode started. This is Dream Job Ready with Carolyn Breeze. 
Please note that the opinions of guests are their own and not those of the companies they have worked for. Thanks for having me. Um, it's a pleasure. So for GoCardless, I run Australia and New Zealand. So I'm effectively a country manager or a general manager. Um, and so that means I manage the growth of that brand in this market. So a payments organisation. So that's everything from sales through to marketing and the technical side of it as well. Perfect. And fintech, obviously one of the most uh, booming industries there is now. You've, um, you've, you've almost become a, a voice for women in tech and women in digital payments uh, in recent years. Um, yeah, how did that come about? I think my timing was, was pretty great to become a leader in tech. Um, so through my years at, at eBay and PayPal and so on, I was one of the only female leaders that I knew. So one side, it kind of just was timing and came naturally. But on the other side, I learned that I really enjoy working for companies that drive inclusion and diversity in their communities yeah. through tech and providing choice for people. So, you know, eBay as an example, drove inclusion and diversity by making it possible for people of any shape and size to sell online and companies that democratise payments as well for small to medium businesses and large enterprise is what really kind of gets me going. Awesome. Now, you've mentioned eBay. We worked together at eBay for a year while I was there. You were there for a couple of years. Um, you've also had dream jobs for Vodafone, Crazy John's in its, in its heyday. Uh, and that's, that's what I'd love to chat with you today is, is you know, the journey that you've, you've been on in your career, the ups, the downs, um, you know, the wins, the successes, uh, any hard, hard times you've come across. Um, let's throw it back a little bit, if we can. Uh, not too far, of course, but you know, how did your career get started? Where, where was your first job? Talk to us about that. Yeah, it's an interesting question. So um, throughout the later years of high school and in my late teens, early 20s, I worked in mobile phones, selling phones casually. Um, for anyone um, who understands mobile phones today, um, people who sold them back then actually made money. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually you know, on emerging tech as opposed to what it is now. Uh, and so I would do that casually and I kind of immersed myself in, in that industry, um, selling back. Most people won't remember this, but when OneTel and the likes were around. Uh, and so I, I did that while I was at uni. So I did uni yep. at night um, and completed uni that way. And that was what I, I knew. I knew sales. I started working to make money. I didn't go to uni full time out of school. I wanted to make money. Yep. And then as one of my major assignments at uni in marketing, I was asked to build a kind of go-to-market plan, for lack of a better term. Back then we didn't really use go-to-market, but go-to-market plan um, for an existing Australian iconic brand. And I chose Crazy John's, who back then was one of Australia's largest um, mobile phone retailers, kind of back in the Strathfield car radios kind of day. (laughs) Um, And Crazy John's were based in Melbourne. They were a Telstra dealer channel who had a really large retail store for for consumers and they had a very small corporate arm. And um, growing up in Wollongong and going to uni in Wollongong, I built a business plan for them to actually create a regional corporate mobile phone arm um, and franchise it that was kind of similar to or replicated the Telstra countrywide model, which had just recently been released at that time. Mm -hmm. And the Crazy John's business model fed a lot off the Telstra model, being that Telstra was the network. And um, I liked the idea so much and I liked the industry so much that when I graduated, I took the business plan to John Ilhan, uh, who was the founder and CEO of Crazy John's. And uh, that's, an, that's a pretty interesting story for a girl from the gong because uh, he didn't want to see me. Well, I'm, sure, I'm sure. How do, how do you get an opportunity to, to get a seat at his table? He, he had, at that time, it's one of the biggest, most interesting companies going around in Australia. Yeah, so I, I couldn't. I, um, <laughs> I flew down to Melbourne four times, literally really? stalking him. 
and sat in his office asking for appointments, trying to meet the head of sales, you know, sales for Victoria, sales for New South Wales, HR, whoever would see me. Um, and back then, this, mind you, I'm carrying around like a paper-bound folder yeah. of my business plan, you know, or good of it in that or a disc, but anyway. Um, and he just wouldn't see me. He was always unavailable. No one was available to talk to me. Uh, and then I, I saved up again to fly down wow. and I got to Melbourne Airport and I was waiting for a taxi and a limo pulled up and said, um, are you heading into town? I said, yes, South Melbourne. And the driver said, John was the driver's name, he said, uh, if you, um, I'll give you the same fare as a taxi to get you back in because I've just dropped somebody off. So I jumped in the front seat and uh, spoke a little bit about what I was doing in Melbourne and he said, I'm John's driver. I've just dropped him and Brendan oh, Flycar uh, to the airport. And I was really upset, one, because I'd missed them again. Um, but I asked if he would pass the, the folder on and he said, oh, we don't, we don't talk shop in the car. And I said, just leave it in the back of the car and if he gets it and I get a call, I'll shout you and your wife to Flower Drum. That's how long ago this was. Wow. That was the best restaurant in Hong Kong. I mean, so in Melbourne at the time. Um, and within a week, John had called me and within a week of that, I was hired. Wow, that is ridiculous. So in, yeah. basically you've got a school project sitting in the back of a limo that you've by chance yeah. jumped into purely out of the generosity of the driver at the time. Yes. It happened to be the same limo as the guy you were chasing in Melbourne. Yes. Very brashly, I'd imagine, as a young 20-year-old anyway, to try and expect to get counsel of, of someone like that leading a company yeah. like that. Yeah. That is yeah. crazy. What did You must have thought that the odds of that happening one in a billion, wouldn't they? I, I honestly was that naive that I thought if I went there, he would talk to me. Right. Um, but I think it was good practice for me to see how hard it is to get in front of a stakeholder like that. But I was also really confident in the plan I'd put together. Yeah. Um, and in the fact that I had sold phones as well and that I wanted to execute the plan, I wanted to be part of it as well, um, gave me more confidence. So um, I'm sure if he didn't take it, I would have tried to take it to somebody else, but it was made for him. Gotcha. So, so my, my brain vision's going uh, crazy. So, so when you, I guess, spoke to him next and, and uh, when he engaged, you had, did, was he sitting there with your school folder in front of it going, this is the greatest plan I've read? Or was it the hustle and bustle that you'd shown it just was to the get hustle. into his limo? Or? Yeah, it was the hustle and bustle. So um, they weren't interested in the plan. Well, <laughs> they, they had no intention. 20s, yeah. Yeah, yeah, They had no intention of ever um, franchising the model and I you know, didn't fully understand the complexity of their arrangement with Telstra and how it actually worked. But they did like the hustle and bustle and yeah. it did the ROI and the go-to-market plan did prove to them there's a market outside of Sydney and Melbourne. Yeah. And so they took me on to explore that. And so they hooked up my house in Wollongong, my unit, and um, I sold out of there wow. um, and ended up working for him for close to five years. Wow. That's that's a dream run. That's a dream opportunity, I'd imagine. Um, you know, I think even, you know, at uni, you, you get tasked to do things like that. You get, you know, projects and assignments. And I think people take to them differently, right, depending on, on what you think the desired outcome. You must have really... Um, you know, A, put in the effort in the work into that project, but B, actually approached it with a mindset that this can matter to a business, yeah, whether it did or could, not. And it could be mine. Yeah. And it could materially matter to me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one thing that stuck with me throughout my career is when I put together a business plan or a business case for the company that I'm working for, because I'm in that leadership role, I feel like it's my own. Yeah. Like I'm a, I feel like I'm a partner in that business. And so 
I think that comes through in, in, in the work that I get put forward, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Did, did you ever get to uh, the opportunity to take John out to, to dinner? Uh, I did the driver? get a voucher for him and his wife to go to dinner. Oh, that's yeah, amazing. I didn't let them down. That's where my first paycheck went. Really? That's yeah. a beautiful story. <laughs> um, that's crazy. And, and you know, tell us about uh, the five years you said at, at Crazy John's because um, you know, I certainly, I'm, I'm old enough to remember you know, the height that that business had uh, yeah. for a period. They, they were everywhere. They were doing, seemed like the most outlandish sponsorships. They were in the news the most. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, they were, it seemed like they were going through incredible growth. Yeah. Um, talk about, I suppose, your first proper job, mm-hmm. I guess, to some degree, and yeah. then uh, being there at that time for that business. Yeah, it was, mobiles was in like hyper, hyper growth. Um, it, we'd just seen the transition from analogue to digital. People were still carrying around two devices, like a Blackberry and a phone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the iPhone, there was no such thing as an iPhone. I think my work phones were a Nokia and a Blackberry. Mm-hmm. Um, and the growth was was astronomical and and particularly in the corporate space but john from a marketing perspective john's brand crazy john's had like a cult following mm-hmm. um people were so loyal to him and the brand and i think it comes from you know where he built the brand from so we're talking about a guy that borrowed money to pay for his first handful of phones or would you know take money off someone for a phone shut the shop door drive across town and grab it and bring it back to fulfill the order that kind of thing so um, to go from that to having a team of you know 300 400 people being Telstra's largest dealer in the country um, and not long before I left um, John was the first person to launch the Australian MBNO network which means it's kind of an agnostic sim card network that sits against a bunch of the other networks so his vision which unfortunately was never fully realized was that you would be able to have a sim card that would bounce between a Telstra and Optus and a Vodafone right. always getting you the best rates as kind of you travel around here and the globe right. yeah yeah which is pretty cool yeah and, and and how much time did you get with him during, during those five years because yeah. obviously the such an interesting connection to start yeah. but yeah. once you were there John was very generous with his time he was a very generous human generally um, I remember um, he passed away um, in 2000 and I'm not even going to try and remember 2006 October 2006 uh, and John it turns out was just generous in every way like I I remember a story of someone saying that they had met um, an older couple like a grandparents at the airport and they had come up and thanked them for John's generosity and they didn't know what they were talking about and when they got down to it he had met them on a plane like a couple of years before that Um, they had taken on the care of their two grandchildren because the parents had passed away and they were saying to John, because they, they were Turkish, they were speaking Turkish, how they were worried they couldn't afford to keep the lifestyle the children were used to. And John had been paying for their bills Wow! for a couple of years. So he was generous in every way. Um, and so the exposure that gave me in that organisation was fantastic. Yeah. Um, so being brought into move, um, meetings about expansion, being brought into strategic meetings about growth and, and kind of having a look at every different part of the business, it yeah. was really a good growth opportunity for me. So everything from logistics and kind of contract management, enterprise sales, and then just the general running of a business was pretty pretty amazing. For sure, it must have uh, you know it must have been a baptism of fire a little bit. You obviously were super hungry um, during that kind of retail selling university period mm-hmm. um, to you know even want to go out and kind of approach an opportunity like that and chase that down. Then you've got thrown in, I guess, that special connection with you know the boss of that business has um, opened the door to additional opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, you must have. I'm assuming you obviously learnt plenty of things from a leadership point of view that you've carried on in, 
but then also you know just being a sponge at that start to kind of learn different things on on the go yeah absolutely i think one of the other big learnings i got from crazy john's was around sacrifice Mm -hmm. so um seeing a business build that rapidly off the back of a telstra relationship and then understanding when you hit kind of peak growth and all of your eggs in one basket kind of how that can play out um, on an organisation. So I think I learnt a lot about that. And then through when John passed away, um, Brendan Flatter um, stepped in as CEO and we ended up being sold to Vodafone because we had made the transition from Telstra to the Vodafone network and they purchased us and all the teams rolled in. And just, you know, having those conversations where we sit around as a team and try to understand, okay, we've got to fold into a new part of the business now. Um, how do we kind of structure ourselves amicably in a way where we can be absorbed easily and no one kind of loses out? And it was, you know, it's a pretty young age to be having those kind of conversations where you're literally sitting around with your peers going, right, well, who's going to be the manager when we, when we move in there? And who's going to, you know, who's going to do that role and that role because we need to kind of fit the way they want us to fit and not having that leader there anymore to kind of take you on the journey. So it was, yeah, it was huge growth. And what age bracket was that, just so listeners understand? I would have been 25. Yep. Right on the spot. Yeah. yeah, and and you know, did that did that make you know exactly what you wanted to do from there on? Because you mentioned you know your your initial thought was you know, sell, make money, um, kind of you know, get into business and, and propel that way. Did that um, little period of your life open up um, you know kind of further direction, or, or was it was it you know hey I'm learning on the job here and I'm going with the flow and working hard? I think there are periods in your working career where that I feel like there's they ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. And one of those is being able to adapt really quickly to change and kind of grab stuff by the horns and run with it and not really have, having time to sit back and strategically or even tactically sometimes think about how you're going to navigate your way through. Um, and then there's other times where you can sit back when things are a slow pace and you feel more in control, really think about what you're doing, what you want to learn and where you want to go. Um, this was, this was the, the first scenario. It was literally just run. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're in this office today in Parramatta, now you're in Chatswood in Vodafone. You've got a different target, you've got a different leader, it's a different organisation and, and just kind of running with it and going. And um, I just kept relying on my sales skills and my people skills and my ability to be agile and change really quickly. And I think that was one thing I learned from Crazy Johns as well because we grew so rapidly is that agility has really served me well. And I think it's one of the things that also made it easier for me to switch from like one industry to another and and change into different roles and different verticals. Just being able to kind of harness the opportunity that's there and go, well, this is what I do know and this is what I don't know. I'm just going to like run and try and fill those gaps and make it work. And so, yeah, I wasn't learning at the time. I didn't think I was learning too much about myself. I think I was just keeping my head above water. Um, But looking back in hindsight, um, I then moved into the Vodafone Global Enterprise team which was a team within Vodafone Global that sat in Australia that looked after the top, you know, 200 companies globally that Vodafone looked after. And that gave me a whole other set of experience. It was sales that got me in there um, and it was my agility and my hunger to to grow. Um, But it gave me a whole different set of skills around leadership and commercial negotiation and, you know, multi-country deals. It's amazing. Was there any any point that... um you know, working for those big brands became a, a motivator or, or an interest of yours? Or was it more the nuts and bolts of, of what you wanted to accomplish and then the opportunities that working for big companies like that yeah. actually 
engage? Because I, I know there's there's different ways people attack it. You know, some people say they want to go and work out for, you know, work for company X, yeah. um, A, because they probably have amazing jobs, but it's also the brand and the size of the business. What, what yeah. was it for you at that point? I think working for a large international brand has a lot of pros. So there's obviously an opportunity for growth from a career sense because it's such a large organisation. It's not like it's a small kind of family-grown business where there's some kind of cap. Um, I think if you work for the right organisation as well, it gives you exposure into different departments within the organisation. So if you can work for one where they're able to give you a shot in marketing and then move you back to sales and if you want to throw yourself into another part of the business and give that a go, you can. And so I've always kind of looked for organisations that have the ability to give you that kind of broader growth across as opposed to just up. Um, And I think, you know, the brands have always been fun to work with. I've always been really fascinated by the influence a brand can have on a consumer and, you know, the the ability to lever different things or change different things within the brand and the effect they can have on the broader community of users or consumers that use them has always attracted me, yeah, to certain large companies. But in saying that, there's also a lot to be said for um, being able to work for smaller companies where you can move a lot quickly, like quicker and get things done faster and particularly in kind of sales and marketing, be actually sitting down talking to the person that makes the decision every time, I think is something, yeah. Yeah, there's a beauty about it. Well. And it's, you you <laughs> yeah. don't realise it until you've had no. the uh, opportunity to experience both. And spe- certainly, uh, you know, as a, as a 20-year-old starting your career, you, you, you don't have that knowledge or that experience to understand that, but it's it's definitely true. Um, you know, in those early days, um, you know, what, what challenges were there? What, uh, mm. what stuff just made you think, well, this is not what I want to do tomorrow or today, etc.? Was there anything like that that came up? Um, I think the, there was a, the pace of it. Yep. Like I knew... Uh, I knew that the pace wasn't sustainable um, longer term. So I kind of got to a point um, in Vodafone Global where I was thinking that's when things started to slow down. I had the ability to look at what I'd learned and what I'd been doing and think, you know, I, I have been on this growth journey almost by default, you know, through acquisition and things like that and just adapting with change. But I haven't really been driving it myself. I've been reacting to it more than anything. And... I had to make a decision, do I want to stay in telecommunications? Because back then, less so now, people could stay in industries, even organisations, for the whole of their career or for 10 years or 15 years. Um, And I was kind of at this inflection point where I thought, well, I can stay, I'm doing well at my job, I can move into more leadership roles and increase my bandwidth, but am I really growing? If I stay and at this age, so this is late 20s, early Mm -hmm. 30s, um, then I'm going to be in telco for the rest of my life. Yep. And is that really, you know, what I want to do? And that's probably the first time I've I've had a good think and thought strategically about the opportunity I was working in and where I was going to go. It's such an interesting thing these days as well. I think it's something that um, you don't get a lot of advice necessarily about and not a lot of people, I guess, talk talk to that. Certainly, you know, in our, in our age group, um, I, mean, I did nine years at Rip Curl um, and I would never take one day back. It was amazing, but it was the same thing. I... I you know, looked at other opportunities and wanted to kind of branch out and uh, experience different things. And, and I think it's the nature of work um, that's evolved over the, certainly over the last dozen years is a lot of people now are one or two years uh, in a company and even within that are one or two roles. Yeah. Um, I think but, back then as well, I, I was, when you're doing a role for such a long time or you're in an organisation for such a long time, and that could be even two, three, four years, 
it's hard to think about the skills that you've got that are transferable. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I actually take what I'm doing now and change to a completely different vertical? Like, I still have friends that I met in telco that work in telco today. Um, and, you know, we'll catch up and, and they often say to me, but how did you, like, make the change? And, you know, it's it's only because I did, I did it that I can look back and understand it now. But so much of what I was doing was transferable. Yeah. And it was just having the mindset that it was valuable outside of that industry or to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, I think exactly right. And, you know, I know um, yeah, the, the gap that you're about to talk to now is moving from Vodafone to eBay yeah. um, and, you know, bridging from that telecommunications uh, business into what was at the time, you know, still quite a new, um, you know, revolutionary digital commerce, digital payments, um, you know, digital retail business. Um, you know, everyone's, everyone knows eBay now, but, um, you know, talk a bit about that because it's, yeah. it's, it's not an easy jump. Um, it is a mindset thing. Um, you've probably got some people, even if it's the voice in the back of your head telling you that you're not right for that role or, um, you know, that you know, your experience doesn't add up to what other people's experience is going to be there. But I know that there were other people from Telco there. So what made you, I guess, look at eBay, look at the role that you first had at eBay and, and, and make that leap? Yeah, so I was fortunate that I was introduced to someone at eBay. Yep. Um, and what, we sat not down. Not what you know, it's who you yeah, know sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Someone from Vodafone had actually moved to PayPal and they were one company at the time. Uh, and they'd heard about the role at eBay and introduced me. Um, but I went um, hesitantly. Like, I, I, I was like, oh, e-commerce. I don't know anything about e-commerce. Um, I don't even think I'd really shopped online that much mm-hmm. to date. So I was really nervous. Um, I knew nothing. And um, eBay at the time were looking to create a sales function within their business. They were at a period where they were almost rebranding themselves from a second-hand marketplace into a place where you could find new product and brands that you that you knew that you could buy in store today and so the purpose of that sales team of which I was the first was to go out and bring on those brands and that inventory to make the marketplace new so they were looking at me as a seasoned salesperson who'd come from an international organization so understood what that looked like understood how to do commercial negotiation and, and build rapport and kind of run on, run on my own belt. And um, and I, once getting to know them, even though I knew nothing about e-commerce, everybody I met was so passionate mm-hmm. about what they did and so intelligent in, in ways that I had never seen because they had come from completely different backgrounds to me yeah. um, and had very different experiences to me. But again, not many of them had done sales roles like me. Yeah. Um, and so I, I saw it as a huge opportunity for me to learn and to grow. And I, it was scary because I could have stayed at Vodafone and kept doing what I was doing. I was making good money and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I just I wanted the opportunity to leave the industry because I knew I'd stay if I didn't. And I wanted to learn and I, I looked at the vertical as in e-commerce as a huge growth opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and thought, well, if I'm not going to do it now, I'm never going to do it. Yeah. yeah, and that's you know we always talk about the benefit of hindsight, but you know foresight must be something that's um, congratulated every once in a while. Like I, I the same thing. And, you know, neither of us invented eBay. Uh, no. I wish one of us did, but um, you know identifying um, those trends, which they are to some people at the start, right? People, oh, it's just a trend, but uh, you know differentiating a trend from now this is the future and this is where I need to be, even if it's for a short time, etc., yeah. uh, is a skill in itself. Like I think you've actually talked about a couple of different things there. Like I do want to talk about the whole. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Um, yeah. Just to stay on that really quick, how, how much has that come up in your career? Oh, the, the so ob- much. Has? Yeah. yeah. I mean, even if you look at the scenario with John, um, <laughs> if I had just applied for a role, yeah. 
on It'd paper, yeah. I wouldn't have got it. And um, even looking at a role at the company on paper, I probably wouldn't have liked it. It's kind of like I built my own kind of role. Mm-hmm. Um, and once they met me and vice versa, and again, it was that hustle, that's what created it. And all of the jobs that I've heard of since then, aside from the one I'm in now, regardless, um, have come from people I've worked with in telco or people I've worked with at eBay um, who have met me, understand my work ethic, um, understand what drives me, and and have said, hey, like consider this opportunity, and then I've gone at it at, with that way. So it, it is, it is interesting. It is about building the relationships and having a consistent work ethic and brand and people really knowing who you are and knowing that you're dependable and you're agile yeah. and that you've got the ability to, to do that. And, and yeah, and you've, you've got to have a crack, right? Like it's, yeah. it's all good meeting people or being introduced to someone, mm-hmm. but you, know, you can tell pretty quickly what people want to be there and Absolutely. You know, what, who, who wants to put in. Um, it's that skill and will quadrant. Yeah. Have you ever done that skill and will quadrant? No, I don't like it. So you've got, yeah, you've got skill and will, and uh, you talk a lot about people's ability to do roles. Mm-hmm. Skill is something that can be taught. And yes, you can have highly skilled people, but you can have low skilled people as well that you can upskill and teach, and they, they're really engaged and stay engaged. Yeah. The, the, the one that really matters, the metric that's really important in, when I'm hiring people is the will. Mm-hmm. So people having the will and the intent and the hunger, wanting to be there, wanting to learn. You know, I very rarely hire people with payments backgrounds. Yeah. Um, in, in, in the two last roles that I've had because I would rather find someone that's really hungry to learn and wants to understand. Yep. And um, something I talk about a lot, particularly when I'm talking to younger women, um, because it's more prevalent, unfortunately, with younger women, is yep. that you know we'll look at a job description, a very um, masculine job description, because they all are, and um, you know there might be 12 things that we have to be able to do in mm-hmm. order to, to meet the requirements for that role. Um, and in the last two roles or three roles that I've had, I've probably met three or four of those requirements. Yeah. And the others I've seen as an opportunity for me to grow because I know at the end of the tenure with this role, I'm going to have all of that. Yeah. So I see it as an opportunity for me to learn those things as opposed to me ticking all the boxes. And I think women in particular have a tendency to look at that and go, I'm not right for that role and walk away. Um, whereas a lot more men in my experience would look at that and go, oh, I tick eight of those 12, nailing it. Yeah. It's my job. Yeah. Um, and I think there's, there's a real delta in the way we look at opportunities. And, yeah. you know, when I've gone for roles where that's been the case and I've articulated that, so here's the things that I'm really good at. Here's, here's the gaps that I have, but, you know, here's what I want to learn and those types of things. I've never had, I've never been knocked back for an opportunity because I've been open about that. Right. That's such an interesting thing. Like I'd, I'd um, you know, I think back. I was just thinking back to you know, my own sort of job seeking times, and um, you sort of you are kind of trained or insisted not to go for something if you're not ten out of ten on the skills yeah. list. You know, some of the job sites literally say you've got six out of ten skills, etc. Um, maybe it's a half full half. Didn't even rank you that way. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. and 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 then obviously as some of the technologies advanced and you know the scraping of resumes and and keyword searching and that. So I guess just to really you know talk about that because I, I find that quite interesting. Mm-hmm. So you've you haven't ignored the ones that you don't meet on paper, but you've actually addressed them and gone. These are my learning opportunities. This is what I need to get better yes. at. Gotcha. So yeah. you so you're hacking the the software that's that's trying to yeah. get rid of you, but that's right. from a positive way. But also asked more about understanding those KPIs. Because how often is it that we put out a job description and it's the same one we put out for the oh, same yeah. role 12 months They're ago? They're terrible, most of them these days. Yeah, and if you were actually going to interview someone who had done that role for six months and go through that checklist, guaranteed there were things on there that they don't even do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we're just so programmed at kind of putting it out and ticking all the boxes and, um, you know, even with my marketing degree 
it's it's come up when I've applied for roles because you kind of have to have gone to uni to apply for a role. Yeah. So well done to everyone who's at uni. Um, but no one's actually really ever leveraged that. And I remember I had this moment once um, that you'll find hilarious. I'll tell you who it was after. Okay. <laughs> but um, being at eBay um, in a room and we were strategizing, we were trying to solve a problem and we're all talking and, and I kept kind of coming up with suggestions. Everybody did. And my boss, who'd been my boss for like three years, turned to me and went, what did you do at uni again? And I said, marketing. He goes, oh, uh, yeah, that <laughs> yeah, that old chestnut. Playing that card. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's less about, I would see that paper um, as an opportunity for you to start a conversation yep. to really understand what's required and know that in most cases, like me, when I hire, at the end of the day, I'm hiring for intent. Mm-hmm. and that connection and someone to be hungry and really want the role, yep. um, things can be taught. You can learn things. Yep. And if you're really engaged and you want to learn and you want to grow, then you, you're going to stay in the business for a little while. So, yeah. And, and for you know, what's your advice for people that are, uh, you know, seeking that next opportunity, chasing that dream job? Um, you know, let's say they meet a lot of the requirements, they are hungry, um, you know, that will is there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they won't be able to find your limo every other day. Yeah, um, yeah, like, yeah. what's 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 the secret sauce to kind of getting in front of you if it's that opportunity or on the yeah. phone, whatever it is these days, yeah. um, and conveying, you know, their enthusiasm and their hunger to to yeah. do a great job. It's interesting. I find, I find the recruitment industry and the hiring process really difficult. Mm-hmm. To be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to meet people, so I think it's fantastic that, you know, I get the opportunity to meet so many candidates that come through the door for Go Cardless and, and in previous roles. Um, but I think if, if, my, if she was on the other foot now and I was going for a role and I'd seen a role come up, I would do whatever it would take to get in front of a decision maker within that mm-hmm. business and talk to them about who I am and why the role and why that company more in particular. Um, and you know, go back to when you were at uni and everything was a bit scrappy and you'd be pulling an all-nighter to get that assignment in, going for a job is no different. Yeah. Um, if someone came to me with a well-thought-out plan, even if they weren't right, the fact that they'd gone to the effort and I could see how they worked and how their logic and how their brain worked around things, um, that, that to me is, is really important and just yeah. really being hungry. Call the person, stalk them if you have to. Um, I've been stalked for roles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I've hired many of my stalkers. It's, it's the yeah. clearest form of uh, yeah. enthusiasm, right? Yeah. Um, you know, marketing is what I did at uni, so I'll talk back to that. But, you know, when, when you're sitting in a room pitching to a marketing client and they're going, what are you going to do to get me in the door? And you literally go, anything, tie balloons to it, hire a plane, do whatever, yeah. what's your budget? This is your career. This is yeah. your job. Like, do it. Go out and get it. Get the work that you want. Um, you know, um, on the flip side, I've had interviews with people that on paper were overqualified, looked amazing for the job. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I was like, shit, maybe they should be doing my job when they came to the door. But then if I asked them to, you know, talk to me passionately about why they yeah. wanted to work in fintech or why they wanted to work for a company like GoCardless, they weren't able to articulate that at all. Mm-hmm. You know, what type of manager do you want? What are you trying to, what are you trying to you know, develop skill-wise? How do you want to grow? That horrible question around where do you want to be in five years' time is just, I think, the, a ridiculous question that no one can ever answer. Um, I prefer to ask what what skills are you going to develop within the next three years that are going to keep you moving yep. on your track? I think that's an easier, more palatable thing to kind of understand yep. and to work towards. And for people who can't articulate that, they just don't have a place in my business. Sure. Yeah, and it shows that they haven't 
potentially haven't even thought about it yeah, up to that point, passion, right? Yeah, have some gusto. Yeah, like, I've, I've had people, you know, even, even when I was at McDonald's, uh, hiring different roles, and to your point, you know, great on paper, uh, and I've asked them, you know, what they think about yeah. such and such in the restaurant. Mm. Oh, I haven't been into a restaurant for two years. <laughs> I'm like, but, and you're going for the role right now. Like, yeah. there's over a thousand restaurants around the country. You haven't had, it's not like you haven't had access. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, let's 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 talk about the jump to eBay. Um, you know, we we both worked there. You were there before me. It's it's such an amazing company, such a big brand. Um, uh, you know, gets accolades like um, you know, great place to work, awards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, talk about the jump. You know, how much did it test you when you first uh, first went there? And I guess um, you know, how quickly and, and how much did you learn over the, the couple of years you were there? Yeah, years you were there. it was a huge jump, and I was definitely um, single swim yeah. at eBay. So they threw everybody into the deep end and really, you know, pushed them along. And you know, that was a function that was relatively new to eBay as well. Um, there was no other kind of sales leaders within the organisational people that had done my role particularly before. There was a lot of ex-consultants at eBay, so everyone had kind of their own way of thinking about how it should be done. Um, but the reality of getting it done, as you know, is another thing. Um, and I had to learn a lot about the eBay ecosystem and marketplaces and e-commerce in general to be able to convince these retailers to be putting their inventory onto eBay. Back then, it was a really difficult um, platform to work with from an integration perspective. eBay have done a lot of work over the years to make that easier. But, you know, you're asking businesses to do something that you had to convince them to believe in, for one, that you would bring them an audience, convince them to pay to integrate to a platform that worked in total conflict with all their other internal platforms, um, and then kind of support them on that journey and manage them through. Um, And so it taught me a lot, and, and it taught me a lot about consumers, conversion, um, e-commerce in general, kind of um, a lot about fashion, which I didn't know a lot about, a lot about tech. I ran the parts and accessories piece for a little while. Um, And that's one of the things I really liked about eBay is I got an opportunity to work in different parts of eBay. Um, And every time I worked within a business to bring them onto eBay, whether it be a parts and accessories seller in WA where I'd be sitting on a garage floor on a crate having a cup of tea, or whether it be with someone like the good guys, um, they all had different businesses, different needs, um, different reasons for using the platform. So I learned a lot about business throughout that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you mentioned earlier, um, you know, about the people that were there. Uh, you said there was a, a lot of brilliant people, and and that's certainly probably the key takeaway I took from my twelve months there was. Um, Internally in eBay, um, you know, the opportunity to to meet such a diverse group of people, and you're right, they were from different um, industries and, and and you know sort of working uh, careers, but also you know ethnicity, um, you know regions, a lot of different accents, etc. Um, so for me, I remember it was great to kind of just tap into that culture and and um, you know meet people that I hadn't been rolling with in my work circles probably the Absolutely. previous years before that yeah. um, and then also externally you know we, we both got to work with um, you know big and, and small retailers externally which for me has also helped grow my network etc so this it's a bit of it's a little bit of what um, you know who you know I suppose coming into that yeah. but also you know talk about taking it taking advantage of the opportunity because I imagine you've kept such a great network of those people at eBay and external too yeah yeah I I was really fortunate in that um, I was in that client facing role at eBay during that time of growth I did get to meet um, a vast array of different retailers whether they be those smaller ones or whether they be the large ones and I have kept that network up and you know one of the things that I learned at eBay is I I really enjoyed that role Um, And so I wanted to learn more about kind of the ecosystem of e-commerce, which is one of the reasons why I moved into payments. 
and I actually had plans to move into logistics. Um, I can talk to that a bit later, but it got sidetracked by payments again. <laughs> um, but one thing I learned as well is how important networking is and keeping the relationships going and finding unique ways to maintain those without detracting from your existing role. And so, you know, I've managed to stay in touch with the retail e-commerce community by staying on board. So I'm on the board for Retail Global. I still attend events. You know, I still talk as an, I'm still an advocate for e-commerce and conversion and, you know, where payments fit into that. Maybe they don't um, all the time, but it's something that I'm really passionate about and I won't step back from. Um, I'm also um, an advisor on a board for a tech startup called Browse that's in retail tech. And so there are other ways as you develop your career to kind of stay in touch and, and keep those relationships going. You know, one, because it's your passion and you enjoy it, which is why I do it. Um, but also you never know when you're going to want to kind of move back into another industry or revisit someone, yeah. do that who you know, not what you know thing. Yeah, and the, and the learning too. I've found, you know, some people have, I've kept a connection with haven't necessarily been, um, you know, suited suited me for a role that they've kept or vice versa but yeah. uh, I've caught up with them again and, and they've just untapped um, you know something really interesting uh, or something I didn't know or they're working on something now that I've that I don't know a lot about so I've been able to immediately just go can you tell me more about it because I'm interested yeah. in knowing that it's cool. Some, sometimes in those fast-growing organizations whether they be Australian or international you'll often find that you're either an individual contrib- contributor or you're in a small team you may be a leader where it's difficult to have people to bounce things off. Like mm-hmm. if you're unsure about something, whether it be a career change or whatever, and you, it's not like you can go to your manager or your peer and kind of have these conversations about you. Um, so one thing that I've learned through my networking and maintaining those relationships and also making sure that I join other um, mentor groups and things is that it's given me a platform to be able to sit down and talk to people about my career and my journey and not feel so kind of lonely um, mm-hmm. in my roles. And so that, that's something in hindsight now, I think I've been very fortunate to maintain and, and to keep going. Um, there's a group now that I'm part of called 2020 Exchange and there are different groups at all different levels um, of your career. And this is one where I meet with you know 10 to 12 other leaders once a month. Um, we're in the same consortium for a year, you get to know each other very intimately. Um, and you share information, your burning ambitions, what you're working towards, and you've literally got the opportunity to bounce it off other people who can help you zoom out and give you a really different perspective. And I think at every level of your career, that's really important. And if you can find that in relationships you've built through previous jobs or through clients and things and other relationships you've made, I think that's really worthwhile. And there's, there definitely seems to be a, a wider space of opportunity for that as well. Like, you know, yeah, throw back 20 years, it seemed like the only people that were in board roles are the people that have been in business for 50 years, et cetera. Yeah. It's sort of that stigma you see in movies. But oh, white guys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, but talk, yeah. How, how, do you, how are you open for that opportunity? How do you take advantage of that? For someone that's, you know, literally a couple of years into their, um, into their career or, or beyond, yeah. um, how, do you, how do you get those opportunities and how do you grab them? Yeah, I think one of them is to become... It, even if you're not in a startup, for example, there are a lot of networking groups associated with startups. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously with universities and things as well, there's groups like that. But just get involved in things and go out to things. Something will click for you. Um, you'll be learning the whole time anyway. You'll meet people regardless. But something will click. Like go to some industry events, especially if you – I mean, it's unlikely that anyone kind of knows where they're going to be in 10 to 15 years' time. Um it's hard to know what industry you're going to want to work in. 
it might be that the industries evolve over time. I mean, the jobs that I've done for the last eight years weren't even thought of when I was at uni. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think just getting yourself out there and getting into groups, um, if you've got a skill set, say it is marketing, say it's finance, whatever it may be, offer your services to someone um, who's growing as a startup. So when I joined um, Browse as an advisor, it was to offer them support through my e-commerce network. Um, and my experience in running a business. And I did that unpaid. I did that because I wanted to understand what it takes to take a startup through to raising capital, through to profitability. Um, And no one's going to give you that experience. You have to to go and volunteer and you have to ask for it. Chase, it comes back to, yeah, showing some enthusiasm and some initiative. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what about you? This is one thing I really wanted to ask you about because the first time we we met, you actually sat in on on one of the interviews I had. It seems like I had a dozen interviews to get into eBay. But one thing that I really appreciated, um, you probably don't even remember, but um, I I knew from the word go you were very, you know, honest, direct, you know, that, that, that transparent kind of thing was there. You, you were sort of a, you didn't shoot the shit, um, I remember. And, and I, I found it interesting because I was going for a marketing kind of a retail uh, partnerships role there. So I knew I'd have, um, you know, to work with people beyond just the marketing and brand team where I'd you know, previously um, you know, spent the most time in my career. Um, and it was it was interesting for, for, uh, for me from the word go just to get in there and, and hear about the sales and you know to, to that point you heard it, you said earlier around oh what degree did you do okay just listen to us because we know what we're doing yeah, over here. Yeah, so, exactly. um, how important has that transparency um, and honesty been not only for you but just in the people you've worked with and people yeah. you've hired etc throughout your career yeah that's a really good point um, you know that that vulnerability and authenticity is something that I pride myself on as a people leader but it's not for everybody and I it's you know you need to understand who you are and what values you have and then look for organizations you know when you're interviewing for a role you're interviewing them as well and so you need to make sure that their values sit with your values and you know when someone puts their you know their mission statement and their culture down on paper You'll know if it's legitimate or not when you're meeting people and getting to know them in an organisation. And that level of vulnerability and authenticity hasn't always been what organisations have wanted from me. You know, and I've had leaders who have said, you know, that um, that emotional intelligence will only get you so far. Wow. You know, it's um, IQ, not EQ. And, you know, I've had those kinds of conversations. But um, for me, it's really important. I think... You know, in the business I'm in now, it's a great example. I live in Sydney and I commute to Melbourne every week. My team are down here. We travel constantly. We look after Australia and New Zealand. And so, you know, we're not living in each other's pockets. And we have to have an, an open and honest and vulnerable and authentic relationship to be able to call people out. Yeah. Um, and to be able to have the hard conversations and to be able to support each other and pick up on each other's weaknesses and things like that. So, um I have, you know, I would be lying if I didn't say I hadn't left an organisation because it no longer aligned with my values. That happens. Um, Organisations change over time as well. And I think one thing that's worked well for me is that I have stayed true to my values and my brand. And, you know, I've had to make changes when, when they didn't align anymore. And I've had to have faith that I would end up in the right places because I held true to that, and that's that's worked for me. Yeah, and what about what have you had to learn? You know, what, what are you still learning? Um, you know, no one's perfect. Mm. Um, there's 
you know, dozens of leadership traits. Uh, I've heard it, 24 is, is one I heard recently is the spot on number, but there's wow. dozens of things that... <laughs> 24 yeah, traits. Tw- 24, yeah, 24. Wow. I heard it, it was very specific. It's but, way um, more than I thought. Yeah, so <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you recognize that you're not great at um, yeah. and that you're learning and, and are still learning? Yeah, so um, one of the things that I'm hoping to learn in the role that I'm currently in um, is more around kind of global strategy and global go-to-market. Um, so I've always had visibility and exposure to that, um, but you know Australia and New Zealand are really important markets for Go Cardless, and so um, and and I've got a lot of autonomy and responsibility in how I expand and grow those markets. And there's some complexity in how we're going to market. You know there are different parts of the markets and segments that we're going after. So it's a huge opportunity for me to um, hone in on getting more strategic about how I play things out. You know, in the past, I think because of that agility and pace and um, passion, I can be very quick to make decisions. Um, and I can, they can sometimes be emotive or on gut. And so I've learned over the years to put a lot more data behind it and to take the time to actually think things through, yep. bounce off people where, you, where I need to. You know, when I was younger, I used to think I won't, I won't trouble my manager or trouble that person by bouncing this idea. I'll just go do some more research or I'll just follow my gut. But there's nothing wrong and there's and everything right about calling, you know, the founder of your business or your manager and saying, hey, this is what I'm thinking. Am I right? Like, can you just check me? Um, and, you know, we have I – I do this thing. I don't even know if the team going to listen to this. I don't even know if they pick up when I do this. But I, I sing, like, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, anyway. And they, they didn't notice didn't that. Didn't expect any I'm rapping, sure they noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> um, which just – it's just a constant reminder for me and for them, like it's okay yeah. to take a seat back and go, hang on a minute, am I actually think, have I missed anything? Am I thinking this all through? And so for me, one of the skills I need to um, develop as a leader is more around that strategic piece mm-hmm. and being able to zoom out and actually take the time to think, okay, if I execute this way, what does it actually look like in 18 months rather than making those quick kind of fire decisions? Yeah, wow. How, how, how do you learn to understand or to appreciate or acknowledge what you need to learn? How, how's, how have you come across that? Uh, I th- there's a couple of ways. One is by making mistakes. Yeah, okay. Um, so it comes up and someone says, don't do that again. Why yeah, okay. yeah, or why are you doing that? Yeah. Uh, okay, that yep. <laughs> um, So I think it's it's good to work in organisations and again, this is something I look for where you, know, you, you, you are allowed to make the odd mistake yep. um, as long as it's in the, you know, the, the faith of learning and, and the right intention. Um, but also it's asking. Mm-hmm. So I ask for feedback. Um, I ask for feedback off my managers, obviously. I ask for it off my peers. I ask for it off my team. I'm constantly asking, you know, what I could be doing better or how I could be moving things forward. I think it's also networking. So I try to meet people who are in similar roles to me, working in organisations that are at similar growth. What are they doing that I'm not doing? What am I doing that I can share with them? Um, I have mentors, obviously, that I catch up with. And I also believe a lot in reverse mentoring. Mm -hmm. So particularly when you get into more kind of of back-of-house roles where you're not so client-facing or you're in leadership roles, you can sometimes um, lose touch with the end customer. And I like reverse mentoring with people that are, you know, still doing those sales roles like I used to do or still doing those customer service roles so that I can learn. I think the other thing is um, regardless of where you get to in your career, is making sure that you do still go out and meet those customers. You still are selling yourself. I'm always selling. Um, you know, one thing I'm doing at the moment so that I can understand the business better is if anyone ever contacts us to close an account, I personally call them to ask why. 
um, wow. because I want to know yeah. why. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I want to know what we could improve yeah. and do better. And I think, um, and it's also something that I really enjoy and it helps me stay connected to the product and stay passionate. And as I'm making these decisions around investment and product and go to market, I'm keeping in mind why I'm doing it. Must be showing that you care as well to the yeah. even your own team. Yeah, yeah. I don't tell the customer who I am, who sure. I am but yeah. But I, I think... Um, it, it, it helps me remember why I come to work, which is why I love it so much, which is that I know I'm working for an organisation yep. like PayPal and like eBay um, at GoCardless where we are making something available to people who it wasn't before that can literally change their lives. Yep. Um, and that's, that stuff is what I care about. And that, that's what's motivating you at the moment? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's happening. And do you, um, you know, do, you take, do you take your work home and look at you know, friends and, and family that have certain businesses and kind of just drive into, hey, this is what you should do or this is what I've seen I, coming? And... I try not to. Yeah. It's really funny. My husband has his own business. Um, and he, like, as you know, I'm on a lot of boards and do a lot of advisory work, particularly around startup. And um, he came to me about two months ago and he goes, do you know anyone I can talk to about how to structure this side business that he's got in addition to his right. other business? He goes, do you got anyone I could talk to about how to like structure it? And, and I just went, and I thought, do I, don't I? And I went, I'll connect you with someone. Yeah, there and you go. Okay. Safe as bet sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that, you know, that everyone in my family and my friends know that I'm passionate about my job. I think a lot of them understand what I do um, and why I do it. I love hearing my kids try and articulate what I do, um, but they understand that I do it because I care and yep. that I'm passionate. Um, but yeah, I try not to give too much personal advice to my husband. Safe as bit sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about the... Um uh, being a mother really quickly not, not yeah. into that detail but um, yeah. you know, challenges come in all shapes and sizes um, mm-hmm. and happy and, and, and bad ones I suppose mm-hmm. um, yeah talk about you know being in, you know, in your career mm-hmm. um, I believe you're at eBay uh, at the time you had both kids second, child. second child yeah, yeah. first uh, my daughter Holiday was born when I was at Vodafone okay yeah uh, I was actually I fell pregnant when John was still alive um, and we hadn't been acquired by Vodafone yet right and that, this was back when there was no such thing as paid maternity leave. Yeah. Um, but John, uh, in the early stages of my pregnancy, committed to giving me maternity leave, which is really lovely. Wow. Um, Visionary guy, obviously. That's yeah. crazy that he that it didn't exist. Yeah, yeah it didn't even exist. Yeah. Um, and so that was really lovely. Um, and so I had three months um, with holiday and then uh, Crazy Johns and Vodafone were really great about me, kind of working from home and uh, all that kind of stuff. And then I moved to eBay and I had Jimmy. So there's about five and a half years between them. And I took a little bit longer with him. I took six months with him because I, I thought, you know, he could be my last one. I was getting a bit older and I wanted to really enjoy that time. Felt like I was a bit more established in my career. Um, and the, t- the time out is, is hard. Um, when I was in the individual contributor role at Vodafone and took time out, it's not as hard. All you're really handing over is some opportunities and some cash and then you've got to come back in and build a pipeline. But when you're working in, in leadership, it is a much harder thing to step away from. So, you know, at, at um, eBay as well, not long after I had Jimmy, I, I was ill. I got cancer um, and I had another longer extended period of time off, longer than I had for either of my children. Right. Um, but, you know, I had to find someone to replace me um work with them you know keep in the loop and in both cases with my son and with um cancer when i went back to ebay the, the company had changed a lot because it was so fast changing um that you know other opportunities had opened up and again it came down to that agility and wanting to learn and grow 
and put my hand up for something completely different um, and and try something new. Yeah, and that you know it's a it's a uh, you know, you, you're going to talk um, from the heart with with uh, both of those. You know, obviously having that second child, having you know an illness to um, to overcome. Yeah. Um, you, know, you almost want it to be the last thing on your mind is worrying about work and the ever changing pace of work and. Mm-hmm. You know, doubting yourself, am I going to be able to keep up? Am I going to still have my role? All that kind of stuff that I imagine is probably going through your head. Yeah. You know, what, what confidence can you give any listener that? Because, um, again, challenges come in all shapes and sizes. Um, you know, what confidence can you install in someone that is listening to this that um, you know, there are opportunities galore, whether it's exactly the same or more? Yeah. I mean, I'm in two minds about this one. Um, there, there will be other opportunities and if, if that's the right opportunity for you and it's the right role and the organisation that you're with understands that and cares about you and sees the value in you, they're going to keep you mm-hmm. um, and, and that's going to be fine. But I completely understand the fear. One of the things that I'm, I'm trying to change um, in my organisation and I talk about a lot, and it's not that my organisation are not doing this, by the way, but it's just like it's not done generally, yep. is I, I hate that um, the way we're set up around maternity leave means that the onus is usually on the female to take that initial time out. Mm -hmm. And we're making it the discussion of the individuals at home without giving them enough support. We're making it a discussion between that couple, but we've heavily weighted on the dynamic and we're not doing enough um, to kind of even that out and make it a a discussion around who wants to do what and a real choice as opposed to, well, if you do it, there's all these benefits, and then if I do it, there's only these benefits, and it's harder if I do it, and you yeah. know, all that kind of stuff. And so I, you know, I would love to see us get to a point where we're supporting young men as much as we're supporting young women mm-hmm. um, with paternity and maternity leave, so that we're taking that really hard decision-making process off them, yeah. and we're making it easier for women to come back to work. I also think that um, flexibility, like, I love that we now have flexible options where people can come back to work three and four days a week and earn prorated money. But that was never my idea of flexibility. Right. I always wanted to be in the office. My idea of flexibility is get me a cleaner, help me with childcare, mm-hmm. help me with food, um, get me an Uber in the morning so I can work on my way to work. I want to be there for the yeah. 10, 12 hour day. Empower me. And empower me yeah. to be there and empower me so that when I'm home, I'm, I'm with my children and I'm, I'm there, I'm present. I'm not having to clean and catch up on the week and do all this stuff. If yeah. Don't give me a three or four day week. Empower me to be there. Yeah. That's, that's my idea of flexibility and I, I don't think we do enough of that either. Um, and so one thing I learned, and John was a good example of this, um, is, is, to, is to try and push the boundaries if you, have, if you can and have those conversations with your employees and, and with your managers around what flexibility looks like to you. And it's something that we try to do here as well. It's different for everybody. It may not be children, you know, that is your reason for needing flexibility, but being able to articulate that um, and show your worth outside of that. Um, and for those of you that become leaders, actually knowing what flexibility means to each of the individuals in your team and having the ability to drive that. Yeah, great. That's awesome. Uh, and you know, I, I think it's such a um, it's such a timely thing. It's it's crazy. It's taking this long to get there, and, and I'm sure it's improving step by step. And as you said, you know, flashback 15 years, it, it sort of didn't even exist to some degree. But a long way to go for sure. And and hopefully, I think the you know the the, the growth of fintech as a as a um, industry um, is helping to kind of enable 
little wins here and there with some of that flexibility. Um, and you know, talk to me really quickly about um, you know jumping jumping ship at eBay, leaving that brand, going to Braintree. Uh, yeah. It's again another company that's had such a buzz um, in in the industry that we work. Yeah. Um, sort of couldn't do any wrong going there a little bit. You know, talk yeah, about that role. Yeah, my, the timing was perfect. Again, I was really fortunate. But um, so, uh, yeah, uh, again, who you know, not what you know, someone had, so PayPal and eBay had separated someone in PayPal who I'd worked with had moved into a leadership role in Singapore and there was literally a vacancy um, to lead Australia for Braintree and so I applied for that role. Um, again, I knew nothing about payments at all. Um, I understood conversion and user experience and that people had to pay for things, but that was about <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, yeah. But I knew how to sell. I knew how to drive sales teams. I knew how to build business. Um, and so this was giving me that, but also giving me the opportunity to learn about payments um, and to learn about a little bit more about the Australian landscape. Even though Braintree was part of PayPal and both those companies were international companies, in an industry like payments, there's a lot of heavy dependencies on local sponsor banks and different kind of local processing relationships. And it's something that I really wanted to understand and learn about. Um, I didn't think about much until I got in the role yeah. about um, how the Australian landscape is changing with, you know, urban banking and things like that, because I knew nothing about payments. Um, but again, it was really good timing. Um, and the landscape is changing so significantly. And it's, yeah, it's a really good time to be here. Um, Braintree was fun so I went from eBay running sales teams and you know one very small kind of very focused business unit to running a team of sales and marketing and technical support and account management um, and so it was giving me a lot broader experience and a little bit more of that go-to-market but for an organization who was quite well established yeah um, they had been acquired by PayPal so when I joined they were sitting in a WeWork down in the city um, Part of my role throughout that time was to migrate them into the PayPal office and to more assimilate them more into that part of the business. And more recently now, they've completely kind of assimilated in. Uh, and that came with its own challenges, but also its own learning opportunities and growth. Understanding how businesses behave post-acquisition, understanding how two very different cultures come together, understanding how um, you know a company with really large penetration and market share absorbs a smaller one who's on you know really fast growth and everything's greenfields you know even consolidating operational systems and salesforce and things like that everything was a learning process yeah um, for me and I actually found I really enjoyed it yeah um, I learned a lot I learned a lot the hard way um, I saw a lot of good and bad behavior through a company going through a transition like that um, but I, I know now a lot about what to do and what not to do yep. in those situations. So, you know, I, ideally I'd love for one more time in my career to be part of an organisation prior to an acquisition right. um, and, and actually be part of that change in help driving that change. Do, do you think that, um, is the change happening quicker these days? So much quicker. Yeah. And I think particularly in, in fintech, um, you know, with open banking, there'll be so many new organisations opening up. You see them popping up now because they're kind of get around, getting ready for it. And they're all filling little niches and solving little issues um, in the banking sector. And there'll be a lot of consolidation post that. Yeah. Uh, and not just domestically, I think globally as well. And I think acquisitions in general and mergers happen so much faster. The expectations are so much higher than they used to be, you know, 10, 15 years ago. When there was an acquisition, everyone would go, oh, the ink's dry, and then you'd sit in your same office for 12 months and they'd talk about when they were going to do it mm. and how they were going to do it, and then they'd you know, announce all the changes first and then slowly migrate. 
and now it's like, oh, we announced yesterday we've been acquired by such and such and we're moving offices yeah. next week, you know. So um, that that's a lot, that breeds a lot of opportunity for leaders around um, kind of culture change and transition. Um, and again, for people working, it's around agility. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely happening way faster yeah, yeah. than it ever has before. Okay, perfect. Look, I know we need to wrap this up pretty soon. Um, one one thing I do every episode is is ask a question from a student, uh-huh. um, student. So uh, from the University of Wollongong, from, uh, Kate, um, and I think this is this would be an interesting one for you. Um, the question is, um, as a future leader, uh, I know that the opportunities will be there for me. Um, how do I become a leader um, when I'm just starting my career? Oh, I love that question. I love the, I love the. Um what the start of it as a future leader yeah, yeah. well she's halfway there <laughs> as a future leader i think that um everybody regardless of their role that they're in can be a leader you know when you're working with people even if they're in the same role sitting next to you at the desk whether or not they're they're a leader or not leadership isn't just about the title and you know having direct reports and those types of things it's around their personal brand how they engage with others how they collaborate how they move things forward going over and above beyond their role, putting their hand up for extra work, trying to be part of other projects, joining groups like I mentioned to try and grow and just always asking why and being curious and accumulating knowledge. And I think um, if I could go back in time and try to harness what I think got me successful today, I think it would be that, that I always wanted to be in the room. I always wanted to know why, understand why things worked the way they did, challenge um, and kind of keep growing forward. And then... I was very conscious of my personal brand. What do I want people to think and remember when they meet me? And I really love that that's what you um, remembered from your meeting with me um, because that authenticity and vulnerability are two of my words. Yeah. Um, And so I have three, three words. But I, I... you know that that's really important to me is that people get that from me with every engagement that they have Mm -hmm. and leaders are consistent they're consistent with their values they're consistent with how they present themselves and they're you know consistently trying to drive themselves forward and they mentor others and bring them along that journey whether they're managing them or not and that's how i spot a leader yeah and you can start that in any any role you don't even have to have a team right yeah yeah Yeah. what what was the third word as well you said you had three words loyalty loyalty Awesome. Well, I really appreciate it. I know GoCardless is in very safe hands. You know, you've been with the business about a year now. Um, it's super exciting to see what the business is going to do and what uh, evidently you're going to do in this role. Uh, and then beyond that, um, you know, the next couple of years are, are going to be just as exciting, I think, for you as well. So I really yeah. appreciate you being on the podcast, um, hoping you've helped enable um, an understanding of how to be dream job ready because you've had some great jobs and some great roles. Um, and, you know, good luck for the rest of this year. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.